good to see brothers and sisters in Christ on Sunday morning, be able to join with you in time of fellowship and worship together. And uh, uh, I've been blessed by being able to associate with the brothers and sisters here at White Oak a few times over the past couple of months, and it's a joy. It's good to be here, good to see your faces, and good to know that wherever we go, we find brothers and sisters in Christ that are uh, loving one another, caring for one another, seeking to do God's will, and uh, we are blessed in that. Uh, The lesson this morning has a title, and the title and the lesson itself were prepared prior to what took place about 14 days ago uh, over in Israel. And the reason I mention that is because the title of the sermon or lesson today is Love Your Enemies. And uh, that's a struggle. That's a struggle. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, talked about loving your enemies. Some of you have heard of C.S. Lewis, British writer and sometimes a lay theologian. He was accused of not appreciating the Sermon on the Mount. And his response was, who can like being, who can like being knocked flat on his face by a sledgehammer? I can hardly imagine a more deadly spiritual condition than that of a man who can read that passage with tranquil and pleasure. Now, as we think about the Sermon on the Mount, we look at it and we think, wow, uh, why would he say something like that about it? And I think in part because he grasped an understanding of how radical that sermon was, that Sermon on the Mount, and how it was so different from the things that had been heard by the Jewish people. It was a direct attack upon hundreds of years of self-righteous teaching by the Jewish religious leaders. Common man had been taught that just simply going and walking through a ritual way and keeping all the do's and don'ts was what a man needed in order to be in a good relationship with God. The opinion of the rabbis and the Pharisees and the scribes and others had taken precedent over the teachings of Scripture. And through the years, gradually, just a little bit at a time, God's people had been transformed into being a people that were not living for God. Not living for God because they were not truthfully interpreting what was being said. Let me share with you a few of the message of Jesus or some of the passages there, beginning in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Then in verse 46, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. If we go back to the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 tells us to love our neighbor 
But it does not say, hate your enemy. That's why Jesus said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But that's not what the Old Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures taught at all. But Jesus said, I say unto you, I want you to love your enemies. Now we struggle with that just a little bit. And it's because of our maybe lack of understanding of what Jesus is saying, but also the radical nature of what he is teaching here again. He describes this love more as a noun. And we may translate it this by, uh, translate it this way, by loving, being loving toward your enemies. In other words, the way in which we conduct ourselves. It's not just an emotion. In fact, the emotion may be very little within it. It's how we conduct ourselves toward other people, people that we might consider to be our enemies for whatever reason that may be. Jesus spells it out. How do I behave toward those that I consider my enemies? How do I behave toward those who consider me to be their enemy? In other words, Jesus is saying the way in which we conduct our lives, of course, coming from the feelings of our heart and the teachings that, of a Scripture, makes all the difference in the world. And that we are to have this attitude of goodness toward others in helping them in this way. Maybe the story of the Good Samaritan helps us just a little bit. I'm not going to go through that story because I know you know it very well. But in the story of the Good Samaritan, you remember that the Samaritan was the one in the story, the one that did good. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the Levite, it wasn't the priest, it was the Samaritan that had done good. There was only one problem. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews. Now we won't get into all the history of that. But Jesus gave the story and then he asked the lawyer who was tempting him and asking the question, which one of these was neighbor to the other? And the man would not even say Samaritan. He said, the one who did good to the other. Wouldn't even say the word. You see, the people of Israel had been so taught to hate other people. They hated Gentiles. They hated Samaritans. And in some sense, they hated everyone. But Jesus said, listen, that is not God's way. That's not the way God wants you to be. God doesn't want you to hate someone and and let that be even if it's your enemy. Now, the reason I mentioned that, some, uh, I mentioned what I did earlier. Horrendous things took place just a few weeks ago. Horrendous, horrible things. Now, those kind of things were all accumulated on one day within just a few hours. But those things happen all over the world, all the time. Evil people doing evil things to others. For no legitimate reason in the world, of course, there is no legitimate reason to do evil. But what does it mean about us loving our enemy? Why? Why would it be that Jesus said that? Would it not have been okay if Jesus had said something like this? Love your friends and your neighbors and ignore your enemies. Now that's what I would have written. I think that sounds good, don't you? You know, love your neighbor and just ignore your enemies. And, and, you know, don't, don't have anything to do with them. Just ignore them. Now, to me, I could have said, you know, that, that's something I can handle right there. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, you are to love your enemies. 
the old Gaelic blessing. Some of you have heard it before. And I don't know if I've shared it with you. But I think it's a feeling that a lot of us have about a relationship with others. The old Gaelic blessing says, Lord, please bless my friends and my enemies alike. But if you don't mind, Lord, cause my enemies to limp just a wee bit so I might know the difference between the two. You know, and that's the idea, I think, as we look out and see people today. You know, there's a certain class of people that somehow there needs to be something done to them that makes them so that we can justify not loving them as we should or not behaving toward them as we should. This is what Jesus is talking about. Now, why are we to love our neighbor? I think there's several reasons. But why are we to love our neighbors? First of all, because it's the character of God. In verse 45, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and the rain uh, from heaven to fall upon the just and the unjust. God sends rain and sunshine on everyone alike. It's not just the people God loves what they do, that He sends it to. He sends them to all of them. It's, it's God. You see, what part of what He's saying is, it's the nature of God. And who am I? I'm a child of God. And so it becomes my nature to take on the nature of God in that sense that I'm going to love my enemies in that particular way. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God shows His love for us that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. It's the nature of God. Romans 5.10 For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now we are reconciled, or, 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 that are we that are reconciled shall be saved by His life. It's the character of God. We're godly people. And in being godly people, that follow the character of God, then it falls upon us to love everyone. To be able to have a love, not a love for what they do, but a love for their souls. It's a family trait. Have you ever noticed, and I don't know if I've shared this with you before, have you ever noticed someone, um, uh, a father or, uh, I, I see this a lot in men, uh, you may see a man and you, you know how he walks. You've seen his gait. Now, we all have a different walk. I don't know if you know about that. We, all, we, we don't all look alike, and we all walk a little differently. But I remember I was at a friend's funeral, and I was speaking at his funeral. And his son walked in. And as his son walked in, I saw him walking, and he walked just like his daddy. You know, that was when I saw it, I said, man, you can tell that's Gail's son. You know, you know who he is because of that particular character about him. It's a family trait. It's a family trait of the children of God that we love one another. The character of God is a valid reason for us to love our enemies. A second reason to love our enemies is because we are called to be different. Does the world say love your enemies? No. The world says hate your enemies. Do everything you can to destroy your enemies. But look at verses 46 and 47. For if you love those who loved you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? 
And if you greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Sometimes we feel good about doing good for one another. I have a neighbor across the street. There's no way in the world I could do enough good for that man and his wife. I mean, back when my kids were in college, they'd come home and park the car out on the street, and he'd come out there and wash their car. If I don't cut my grass, if I'm out of town or something, he comes over and cuts my grass. This man, this man puts flags in front of everybody's house on, on all national holidays. This, he does all these kind of things for neighbors. He's the world's best neighbor in all the world. And by the way, he's having surgery for a malignancy in his lung coming up this week. And his name is David, and I ask that you pray for him. But David does good. No matter how much good I do for David, what is that? Because David's always doing good for me, you see. The Gentiles and the tax collectors were considered the lowest form of life. He says, when you do good for those that do good to you, you're acting like at least as good as the lowest form of life. He says, that's what they do. But we live on a higher plane. We're different. We can't be like the world. Why do we have to love our enemies? Because we're different. The world hates their enemies. We're different. We're following the character of God. And in our family and our friends and all that we have and all that we work with, you know, it's human nature to respond as things are given to us. If people mistreat us, sometimes we feel have the feeling to mistreat them. Somebody says something to us that hurts our feelings, and we'll just swell up like an old toad and won't talk, and, you know, we'll just respond back and won't talk to them, don't want to look at them. And somebody says, well, where have you ever seen anything like that? Well, uh, maybe at my house, I'm not sure, but there's all kind of things, ways in which we act like that that we shouldn't. Why? We're different. Do you ever tell your kids, remember who you are? That's what I tell my, told my children, what I tell my grandchildren when they're going out and leaving, going to the house and going out to do things. Remember who you are. You're not like the world. You're like Christ. So we are to be different. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 and following. Bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what you do that is honorable in the sight of all. Uh, beginning chapter 12 of Romans, beginning in verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I shall repay, thus saith the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We are different. And that is a reason. A third reason that we are to love our enemies is because we are told to be, and this is a struggle, perfect. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, we understand the word perfect many times means the word complete. But when you think about it being as complete as God is complete, that doesn't make it any better, does it, when you use that kind of terminology there. What it means is, I believe, it means that we are to grow to a level of maturity where we act like God. It goes back to that godly character there just a little bit. It's a daily goal and it's a target. The reason 
that we love one another and love our enemies is because we want to grow closer and closer to being like God. And for me to get closer and closer to that idea of perfect. Now, can you imagine somebody saying to you, I want you to be perfect, but I don't want you to be perfect like someone else here at church. Now, there's a few people, especially some women that I've met in the Lord's church through the years, that if somebody said, I want you to be as perfect as they are perfect, I, I would say, man, I, I'll never will do that. I mean, these, these godly ladies live lives that are just unbelievably uh, holy and, and, and sacred to the Lord and do so much good. But when you compare it and say, I want you to be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. I want you to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What it says is, you'll never get there. But you're to work at it every single day. That's what we're doing, isn't it? We're working every single day to become closer and closer to what God would have us to be. You, we know the acronym sometimes that's G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. And you think about in sports and other things, we find these people that are the greatest that have ever been in this particular sport are doing what they're doing. And of course, when we think about our God, greatest of all time. And he says, that's what I want you to work toward. And that's the reason you have to love your enemy. It's because you're wanting to be more and more like God. And it also helps us to understand and appreciate, I believe, the grace of God. It is only by the grace of God that we'll have eternal life. Only by the grace. But we are to work each and every day. When we consider ourselves as we stand up beside the Lord God Himself, it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us even be able to stand up, much less consider ourselves holy. We are to be perfect. He said, that's why you love your neighbor, to grow to be more and more like God. The final thing I mentioned this morning is that we're to pray for our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, as some people have said, the Ten Commandments are not the Ten Suggestions. They were the Ten Commandments. And what we have here is not a suggestion. It's a command. Pray for your enemies. Now, who are my enemies? My enemies are people who are against God. My enemies are people who are against truth. My enemies are people who are against me. My enemies are people who are against my family. My enemies are those who, in my mind, I consider my enemies. And sometimes it's just my mind that considers them my enemies because I'm imperfect myself, you see. I make mistakes. Have you ever thought, well, I know exactly what that problem is and all of a sudden you were exactly wrong. And uh, that happens a lot of times. Sometimes we have disagreements with brothers and sisters in Christ and in our minds they become our enemies. But that all that says is I got to love them. And I need to pray for them. Now the prayer. When we pray for our enemies, somebody says, Brother Mike, will it change our enemies? Maybe not. But do you know who it changes? It changes me. And it changes you when we pray for our enemies. 
these discussions that we have sometime in our minds about others. When there's a conflict or we feel like that they're taking something that belongs to us or infringing on our rights or we feel like they're not doing what's right in the sight of God and we make them an enemy. God says you can do that if you want to, but you've got to pray for them. You've got to love them. That's what you're here for. You see, because that's going to make you closer, being closer to what I am. It doesn't mean you're going to approve of everything they do, but you're going to pray for them. These souls need to be saved. A little bit of a challenge as we end our thoughts this morning. I want you to think about for just a moment, is there anyone in the world that you consider an enemy? And when I say that, all of us have enemies whether we want to think about it or not. Might have been somebody from work, somebody who's resentful toward us, somebody who's tried to do harm to us and our family, somebody who's tried to tear us down, somebody who's tried to teach that which is contrary to God's Word and lead souls away from Christ, somebody that I fell out with years ago and I never have reconciled with. Pray for them. Make a little list. If it's not on a piece of paper, put it in your mind. And pray for them today and tomorrow. And over the course of the next month, just once a day, say a small prayer for that person. For their soul, their heart, your soul and your heart. That God can lead them to some truth. That God will help them to know the knowledge through maybe through me or you or someone else. Don't pray for the evil things they do. But truly love them enough, just enough. To pray for them as it makes us more like God. Somebody says, Brother Mike, you don't understand what some people have done, what some people have said, and the hurt and the pain and the agony that they've brought to others. And that is true. But I do know that on the cross about 2,000 years ago, with nails driven through his hands and his feet and blood pouring from his body, our Lord said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. They don't have a clue to what they've done. And that's who I want to be like. More like Him. If I grow to be more like Him every day, I come closer and closer to that perfection. I come closer and closer to being different. I come closer to the character of God. I come closer really to being what I really want to be in this life. A child of God. Brother Carl is going to lead us in a song of encouragement in just a moment. If there's anyone here who is not a Christian, we encourage you to come in obedience to the gospel, repenting of your sins, confessing His name being baptized into Christ and beginning to walk that new life and learning how to love even our enemies. And others of us today, if we find ourselves falling short and loving others and loving our enemies and living that Christian life, if you need to respond in public, that's a wonderful, great day to do it. But if it's between you, if it's between you and the Lord and someone else, take care of that today.
for your sake and for the sake of other souls. Let us stand as we sing together.